0: I think pre-internet, we weren't given the choice to be unplugged because we were simply unplugged. We were left with our own thoughts and that developed you as a person. Nowadays, uh, you never have to get unplugged. Am I sounding clean? No feedback?
1: You you sound great. You're able to hear me right now as well? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. okay okay. we'll just
0: turn this a touch just so i can see a little bit better perfect yeah we got evan's new setup you can see this is all foam board we've we've completely foamed this room
1: here right on it's
0: got a brand new audio setup
1: it's It's uh you're far more uh, professional than my little setup all I've got is a broadcast uh, style headset here but the whole idea is to be uh, you know mic in motion so I can take it on the road and you, you and, look like an aircraft air air traffic controller <laughs> I, f- I feel like I'm in uh, yeah exactly there, there could be a uh, an analogy there well you look great and you hear great i didn't know if we should bother with the video uh we're not going to record that just the audio but uh, i'm happy to see your face
0: yeah i know and it makes for a better conversation i think when we can see each other's faces
1: i could hear your uh, so you've got your uh, just just announce uh, who it is that folks can hear we're already rolling so oh. abr as they say always be recording <laughs> uh people can hear in the background uh uh, your compatriot helping you set up the audio. Uh, oh, there you d- go. Well, dis- this, describe where you are. Describe uh, where you're at.
0: Now, do we... I don't want to disturb... Uh, should, oh, I can close the
1: door.
0: If it's disturbing. Or, you guys do. Sure, all right. <laughs> See, Thanks, Evan. No um. So, So, uh, well, you know, I thought I'd start... You said you want a little anecdote... Yeah. To, uh, ...to kick things off. So I thought of a little one maybe to to break the ice here. Um. You know, I was thinking, you know, uh, being a coming a father soon and thinking about all the wise uh, lessons that, you know, you're going to impart to, you know, your your newfound uh, son. Uh, I was thinking, of, you know, about addictions and, you know, how they plague um, almost all of us in today's world. And um, I I thought, you know, what would be the the best advice that I could give to um, him, my son? And I, I thought, you know, the best advice would be, that uh, the best addiction is one that you never start. But then I thought that's more of an idealistic uh, way of looking at it. So I thought of a better way to approach it, which is uh, pick your poison. Be sure to pick your poison carefully (laughs) or, or in my case, maybe poisons. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 In my line of work, they, they describe that as poly substance abuse, but uh, (laughs) each to their own. Well, you're taking this exactly where I wanted to, to go. Um, but you beat me to the punch. So, um, you know, it will, as a formality, people who are listening, if you can imagine, folks will be uh, tuning in all around the world to hear our conversation. And From every corner of the globe. <laughs> one day, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I think more importantly, we'll look back at it, and this will be a document uh, to see where we are in another 40 years. But um, this has been a long time making, and for those that are tuning in, the you're listening to the Rex Krim show, and that is Rex is in T-Rex and Krim is in Kingpin Criminology, um, a show focused on giving voice to those who are most disenfranchised in our society. And how fitting that today I'm going to be, well, I am sitting down already. You've heard my dear friend, Paul, childhood friend. We've grown up together and we set the intention of speaking about voice and what it means to be heard and the implications of modern society. So you, you beat me to the punch, Paul, um, you know, and I'm sure we'll center back on the idea of drugs and addiction. Um, but, um, you know, I'm mindful that you're going to be soon a father and, uh, and you know, that's a voice that needs to be heard maybe that has no capacity for being heard. So that's an interesting theme to explore, but I wanted to start off with a big one to you. So my question is, what is the purpose of life?
0: Wow. You're just pulling out all the punches here. Um, (laughs) Well, I don't know. Is there even a purpose or is it just a chance? Um, uh, That's a very good question. I mean, maybe that maybe life, all it is, is just a a long to be heard. You know, everything, uh, whether not really is not innate in humans to want to be heard. I mean, we all just don't go around eating and and, uh, fucking. You know, there's more in between there. That's that's going to be, you know, beyond that. Um, uh, Common with everything, you know, like, we have a new puppy and, and you know, animals, they need to be heard as well. They need their voice needs to be heard. That recognition is innate in everything uh, that longing to be heard. So um, maybe that's as simple as the purpose of life, just uh, as a reflection of uh, of its own existence and recognition mm-hmm. of being alive, uh, of existing. Maybe that's as simple as it is.
1: I reflect back to uh, some years ago, I was living with my older brother and uh, one of our roommates, a, a friend of his, you know, we we'd smoked a joint together and uh, we were philosophizing in the garage of all places. And uh, I think that question had come up, you know, what is the purpose of life? And his answer was quite simple. And he said, fucking And, and, you know, as, uh, and I laughed, we laughed and, you know, maybe that's right. Or maybe that's not right, but it is poignant and there is something to the idea of just, um, you know, maybe wanting to be heard as something about just procreating and leaving a legacy in that way. But I think you and I are going to delve into something more interesting and, you know, along the lines of art and uh, what it means to be creative.
0: That's right. And, uh, and, you know, funnily enough, the, that act uh, finds itself very rarely in art. Uh, and why is that? Because I think art is a growth beyond that. Um, like, tr- that is is funny because um, I was just thinking the other day, you know, about um, giving birth and uh, having a child. And it is really the true uh, essence of immortality. As long as we can continue to propagate, we'll live forever.
1: Mm.
0: But you know, is, is that really art? Is that beauty or is that just, that is life? I guess that is the purpose, but I'd like to think we have a deeper purpose. Um, uh, and, and you can see that when the people, the legacy that people have left, um, is their voice, uh, you know, are the remnants we have of ancient culture is the voice that they had. And, uh, that's all that's left of them, you know, that, that's, that is the voice that they had, that they passed through the ages. So, um, yeah.
1: I wonder, um, yesterday we were talking offline and we set the intention of uh, connecting today and going online and, uh, you know, speaking about just you know this idea of having a voice and its implications. Um, do you think it's a matter of needing to be heard or wanting to be heard?
0: I, I think that, that that recognition needs to happen because it almost solidifies uh, your existence. Otherwise, you know, if nobody takes notice of you, you're gonna do more and more things to be heard, you know. See see children that act up, the more that they're not paid attention to, the worse they're gonna be. You really they need it needs to happen. I think just as a as a mental kind of um stabling, you know, as a as uh, something that grounds the some you know your being, you need to you need to be heard. I think to have peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you what what proof is there that you even exist at all? If if nothing is is giving you any kind of reflection, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, maybe it's in, insensitive uh, to think that vast majority of people will just you know their clubs uh, uh, or what is the term I'm thinking of. Cloglobites or something like that. They're just uh, folks that are just going through the motions, supposedly doing the best they can with what they've got. And their mark on society will be minimal. You know, what's, what, what makes the difference between, um, you know, a, a simpleton and someone who, you know, really leaves that legacy or makes an impact on others.
0: Well, that's a, that's a good point too, but you know, it's funny. I read a quote recently, uh, and it was saying you know when 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 you look back at the great monuments of time you know the pyramids whatever the list is quite long you always see the name of the pharaoh etched into it but it was those people that you described that were the ones who actually made it mm. and you know what about that's their legacy it's it's all the individuals who suffered who are go nameless but um, so I think that that's one of the things that is different from our society today. And, you know, we all can pick apart the way that religion controlled the minds of uh, people for the last few eons. But um, really, the religion was a collective, and it did amount to some amazing things. Uh, nowadays, without religion, without purpose, people are all just kind of scattered. And I think without purpose. Um there is no collective voice anymore. So, yeah, it does isolate people, especially mm-hmm. nowadays. You feel almost more insignificant because you're not part of a collective voice.
1: I want to go even bigger than, uh, you know, if you're talking about religion, I'm thinking, you know, we'll have to steer the the uh, conversation in the direction of trying to imagine what is God if it exists um but maybe we'll circle back to that i want to give some context Uh, this is a long time making you and i had made a first attempt at connecting and it didn't uh, pan out Uh, but this one will be on air and for folks that are trying to make sense of how it is that we know each other give maybe a bit of context of uh of when we first met or first recollections of our initial meetings
0: uh well I I can go down that road again if you want to relive that uh, memory or be, be generous something? be generous <laughs>
1: Yeah well um How long have cr- we how long have we known each other?
0: Since um grade I believe it was halfway through grade
1: 5 so grade school
0: Grade school that's correct. Um and me, uh, me
1: being the old soul that I was <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah your your trench coat and briefcase certainly made you stand out in a grade five uh class and uh <laughs> who but me would befriend a man who uh looked and dressed like that but i do recall we sat down at the table you were conveniently put at my table right next to me and we struck up a conversation immediately and uh The friend that I had who I because I was only fresh into I only got there a year before I transferred from another school as well. So I had one friend who was almost the, you know, the one guy that nobody else wanted. And I was quick to discard him
1: (laughs) to level up, so to speak. You thought this would be a more interesting subject for for filmmaking, which you always had a passion for.
0: That's right, and we uh, we uh, definitely engaged in that uh, together. I, I remember we you heard that I had a movie camera, uh, and we had to go out that evening to get it. It was at my grandparents' house, but you you go, we got your mom to drive us, and it wasn't close. It was uh, probably a forty minute drive to my grandparents to get the camera so that we could begin our, 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 pursuit into artistic, uh, activity.
1: And here, here we are decades later and still, uh, pursuing yep. it in our own way. We, we haven't
0: really come any, we haven't really accomplished much at all.
1: It's a life. Uh, yeah, it's an ongoing work in progress, but just to come back to that moment. I mean, I remember, uh, I guess I've, I've never had that much difficulty making friends, uh, because I was always just myself, and managed to connect with folks who were also authentic, and so that's a compliment to you. Um, but I, uh, I was transitioning at a time. I it was a it was a you know it's hard to start school fresh and whatnot. And how better than to make a good impression than to show up with your best business attire? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. You were ahead of the game. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Well, the show um, people that have uh, listened in before are familiar with mom and I'll have to have her back on. We talked about uh, uh, religion and amongst other things. So she's no stranger to the show, but um, Um, anyway, I digress. Yeah. So where, where shall we go next? So we've stuck, we've stuck it out through and through and um, um, you know, here we are in the same province, but distance, um, because of the pandemic, but close because of technology.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, we could definitely go, go more into technology. Um, it's, uh, it's such a wonderful thing and I just love the internet. It is truly the greatest invention of all time. um, but it's like the atom bomb. You can use it for good or you can use it for evil. I mean, I, I guess, actually, no, the atom bomb is only used for evil. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's got a lot of power um, over people's lives and over, you know, the sway and, and over people's voices. So, you know, has the internet done to our voice? And is it, is it just a reflection of, of someone else's voice? Are you simply just pressing like and and reflecting someone else's voice or are you fostering your own voice? And so this is a, you know, a concern that, you know, I might have when it comes to using that device.
1: This is uh, maybe a good time to ask the question that I I wanted to pose to you. Uh, I I really love this concept. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Um, What's your opinion? Where is it that ideas come from?
0: you've 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 uh, hit me with this one before, and um, i i I think that your view of it is uh is a little different than mine, but I think we're still in the same kind of wavelength. Um, you know, I see ideas more as an evolution, um, just like we are evolving from you know, you could say lesser beings, but we're evolving from something else. To more greater beings, which you know, everyone has their own ideas, but ideas are an evolution. So, um, I, I was reading about Pythagoras and uh, the right angle, and how just the thought of a right angle changed everything about the way people saw the world, and and just that, just no viewing that idea, and so. I think ideas are an evolution one builds upon another, just like generations build upon, um, you know, invention and thought and, uh, just like humans are building upon their own achievements. Like, you know, the young generation is so much more advantaged to many different ideas that we weren't, but then again, they have, are missing out on a viewpoint that we had as well, not seeing things, uh, you know, pre-internet whatever but so that's my view on ideas hmm.
1: well i it makes me think of you know how seemingly um new ideas or ones that are cutting edge or progressive tend to be ostracized and you know now i i'm not as familiar with the uh, um
0: pythagoras
1: Pythagoras, you've been, you've been preparing, uh, or in your philosophical readings, I know, but I'm thinking of common examples like, um, Galileo, for example, who would have been ostracized at the time or, mm-hmm. um, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, embarrassed to think I can't think the name of the fellow where the air acorn fell on his head and he discovered uh, gravity. Newton. Of course, Newton. So, um, an apple though, I apologize. <laughs> are you certain? Yes. Well, anyway, I wasn't there, but uh, I've heard the story (laughs) through and through. And uh, but I mean, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, all uh, all uh, concepts come from somewhere and can be, you know, I guess the best ones are often not adopted in the first place. Yes. I I guess you only know when you're making progress, when you have haters and people that are uh, calling you out on something.
0: Well, that's one, you know, but we can't be too um, forward as well in thinking that every new idea is a good idea. You know, time is is going to determine which ones are worth keeping and which ones are not worth keeping. A lot of bad ideas have come out and they've been disregarded. So we can't say that every new idea that comes out forward thinking or not is a good idea. Um, we have to be careful not to leap. And that maybe that pessimism, that you know that pushed some of these great thinkers back was a pessimism that swept across the board now religious pessimism was pretty extreme but modern day pessimism maybe could do with a little more i don't know like people are very quick to jump on bandwagons and they don't understand what it really means where where it's taking them or if there's even really a an end to the to the means (laughs) so uh, you know i don't want to go down into too much detail but There's a lot of causes nowadays. It seems like
1: there's a... Go on, I'm interrupting you, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, well, I just feel like nowadays it's all about the cause, you know, join the cause. And it's almost a military endeavor. And whether the cause be whatever, so mostly they're social, but they, you know, environmental, of course. And it's always join the cause. And I feel like it's trying to give people purpose to their lives, but it leaves them feeling with an emotion not really a fulfilled feeling of accomplishment, more like a reactionary emotion. So the cause is going to promote anger or, you know, frustration. Typically, it's a negative. So I don't find like those ideas, uh, those causes really are productive in the long run. Now, sometimes they are if there's a distinct goal in mind, uh, an end goal. But if there's no end goal, and it's just a reactionary goal, then you know, what is the purpose? Is it really helping you as the individual? Mm-hmm.
1: We're, we're scratching on so many topics, I was going to say. And, you know, we could go and have hours long conversation in, on uh, any one of these topics, but uh, it's exciting to just kind of see where we end up at the end. Uh, you're taking it exactly where I was hoping, which is the idea of purpose. Um, but I, I think there's something to be said also still on technology. And you're right. You're right. Time will tell. Uh, I think the greatest thinkers, you know, are, are are realized only after maybe they've died. We and we talked about that yesterday, and and that's a whole other uh, sidebar conversation. I mean, this idea of wanting a wanting you know, achievement, but also to be recognized for your achievements. Uh, and I I think yesterday when we were chatting offline, I proposed the idea that maybe the best. Recognition, you know, is only meant to happen once you've passed. Um, uh, You know, how much of that is ego and how much of that is, uh, you know, is, uh, I mean, I think of great people that are are, um, admired now, you know, Steve Jobs, for example, or people that are still living, you know, uh, technocrats in Silicon Valley, you know, the Zuckerbergs of the world, uh, um, you know, people at Google. Uh, This seems to be the new religion in in a way uh, these days.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's good and it's bad. Like, do these people really deserve worship? Uh, What did they really do for the world? They, did they really create something beautiful or is it more just a grab for power? And also, you know, in the modern day, the instantaneous results. um, So, you know, and this is one thing we touched on yesterday too, where I was trying to describe my artistic or creative outlook, which is that nowadays they say, you know, everything needs to be done instantaneous. You need to release content daily, or if not, you know, by the minute, and you wanna get those results instant. You wanna feel that gratification instantly. But that cycle, that, that loop of, uh, you know, receiving the gratification releasing the content it almost blinds you from the bigger picture so in the olden days and i'm saying olden days basically pre-internet even in the television era it took months or years to make a project and even the greatest uh, artists or people would take years away from the public eye to make their project it would be released they'd receive their gratification they wouldn't know until the day it was released how it was to be received by the public They had time alone, though, to perfect their voice and craft their art. Nowadays, it's like you it's it's already been judged before it's even released. And you've already now formed an opinion on what your audience feels. So you're changing your art and your voice based on the reaction that happened. uh, And so is it really your true voice or is it already the reflection of what you want people to hear? So that's where I feel like mass media has kind of gone why mass media has gone. And I don't, maybe not everyone agrees. I feel like it's not even worth watching mass media for the most part. You got to pick very carefully, um, content because it's all regurgitated.
1: What is mass media in your mind? What do you, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, anything that's controlling the market share. So Hollywood, Netflix, Disney, and even YouTube now, uh, large, you know, the large conglomerates that control what voices are heard. And they're picking the voice that's fairly family friendly. And I'm not saying that everything needs to be, uh, uncouth or whatever, but it's just a re it's just the voice that they feel is the narrative that needs to be heard. Um, and it's, it's really silencing a lot of great artists or making great artists change their voice to try to be more in keeping with their, you know, their rules and whatever.
1: Yeah. There's something to be said about, uh, the problem of echo chambers here and to tie it back to an earlier point of, you know, uh, wanting recognition while you're alive. Um, it seems as though the, the attention span has become much shorter. Uh, and so people want attention, you know, for every tweet or every, you know, minute detail of their lives. Um, I mean this this art this observation is kind of boring because people say it all the time but it is really peculiar to think of the effect it has by how you you know the feedback loop that occurs by you conducting yourself for example as an artist based on the amount of likes that you should achieve or how many positive comments you know you can't please everyone so it it creates this sort of monster that is corrupt uh, mm-hmm. I think that is, that is the opposite of art. Um, and it is, you know, you know, closer to the idea of business or, you know, some, uh, maladaptive example of, um, productivity. Um, what is art and, uh, how does one achieve good art?
0: Well, that is just like, I think the voice is art, you know, your voice, um, as an artist, every person has a unique voice um that is unique unto them so everyone has a unique product to give to the world Um, when they change it they are changing who they are but more so it's the growth that the artist has that is the most beautiful process so uh as you may know we uh we're into the michael jackson uh series we've created the animated michael jackson time traveler plug and uh and I'm using him as an example because I saw a video of, on YouTube uh, which actually went through and, and showed his voice through the years. His literal voice in interviews from a child of like the age of six or seven to a grown man. And his voice got higher pitched and it changed. And it's like that growth. And as he was um, searching for his voice that was the beauty and the art that he had to give to the world. So it was that process of searching and perfecting. He perfected his voice. So his voice was literal, but I mean, as an artist, there's so many different ways to have a voice, you know, visually or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it's that perfection of art that comes only from an artist training and perfecting their skills. So, you know, decades of, of perfection, hard work, that's what makes art. And it's a reflection of your voice, whatever that is, whatever some people build, some people draw, some people sing, um, some people's art is in a business art. It still is in perfection. You know, there, business can be art too. Uh, everything could be art. Um, it's not just uh, something pretty to look at. It's a It's a perfection of the voice.
1: I wanted to later ask, but now seems a good time to sort of unfold the difference between objectivity and subjectivity and context of art. Can you give a bit of context uh, when you say Michael Jackson, time traveler? I know you might be uh, reluctant from our conversation offline to sort of, um, you know, necessarily share links or whatever. But people that are listening that might be curious, give a bit of context, like, what is this uh, thing that you're producing? And if people want to check it out, where can they find it?
0: The, uh, the, the project is a, an animated um, series, and uh, it's called Michael Jackson Time Traveler. And it's uh, based on the concept that Michael Jackson has the infinite power of pow- uh, time travel. And, uh, you know, we asked the question, what would he do with those powers? Well, the answer is obviously go on adventures with young boys and uh, put them in perilous situations. So it's become a horror comedy that um, almost showcases his art. It's showing his dances, his music, and it's it's paying homage to him, but it's taking Michael Jackson and it's morphing his likeness into something new and something i've seen done in, in many um, you know animated shows where they take a, a real person and they change them into something new that's mm-hmm. almost a, real, a a new thing based off of them so that's our our series michael jackson time traveler and, and it's people, available on youtube
1: right just google that and you'll uh, you'll come across it so um Uh, And with your permission, I'll throw a link in maybe in the show notes and people can do it that way. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but I think there's something to be said about corruption with Michael Jackson further. I mean, uh, do you take for granted the fact that, I mean, there was all these allegations and I've seen documentaries that sort of prove the, you know, molestation that wasn't established in court or that bring about doubt uh, for this. And this is not a... New topic. I've spoke with other friends, Basis, for example, in a prior episode about, you know, can you separate art from the artist? Uh, But you and I, and uh, maybe that's where I'll I'll start. Uh, Can we, can you answer that question? Can you separate art from the artist? Uh,
0: Eventually, the separation will occur no matter what, because the art will live on, but the artist will not. So in the end, all that's left is your art. As an artist, um, you will die and your art will live on and no one will know you. They will only know your art. And that will give a very small picture as to who you were. So, yes, the separation will occur. And it, you know, that it's a, a totally natural thing.
1: So where where do you weigh in then on this sort of moral ambiguity? Uh, When folks say you need to throw away your Michael Jackson records or the same (laughs) argument. Have you not? Oh, well you're, 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 you, I think you incubate yourself a little bit. from uh, (laughs) As a true artist, you must. Yeah. And (laughs) I um, I guess you've been successful, but the same argument could be made with say Bill Cosby or other, you know, scandals, uh, you know, and they say, you know, if you're a moral person, you ought not to condone and therefore get rid of the art burn it kind of like the Beatles.
0: I I was just going to say that they, they, uh, they did something wrong and, and they were, uh, you know, put on the crucifix and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because you could say, get rid of Michael Jackson's art albums, but what about the people he influenced like Justin Timberlake, uh, basically turned himself into a white Michael Jackson. Well, <laughs> a whiter Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> could you get rid of him? He sounded just like him. He tried to do everything he did. In fact, Michael Jackson spawned a whole, uh, subculture of dance music based off of him and his, uh, his style. Is it all bad? Where do you draw the line? Um, you know, the, the, and, and at the same time, the man is gone. We don't know uh, w- what really happened. Um, mm-hmm. There could be the most compelling arguments, but unless they go to a court of law, you know, we're innocent until proven guilty. So some documentary, which is self-fulfilling for the documentary maker to grow their own fame doesn't mean guilt. And it is definitely not warranting the destruction of art. Um, and it's just like in today where, you know, there was a travesty done a 100 years ago. And to to destroy it, we kill the symbols of this travesty. Well, killing those symbols doesn't get rid of the the things that created the evil. Anyways, maybe I'm going too far. But no,
1: you're you're right on you're right on track as always finish that thought.
0: So well, that that's the thought pretty much that I don't think it's right to condemn Michael Jackson. When I listen to art or view art, you know, when you look at pictures or buildings that were done a thousand years ago, you don't see the blood that was stained on the walls or the civilizations that had to get conquered. All you mm-hmm. see is the pretty pictures that are left and you're not going to start smashing it up because they had to kill a thousand people. Like You knew that shit happened back in the day. Well, and so what, what, what whether about or not he was guilty or not, which I don't think he was, I think he was put himself into some very stupid situations, foolishly. But whether he was or was he not, it's not, not for anyone to say. And the art is going to separate from the artist regardless after our generation.
1: So just to complete, um, you know, on Michael Jackson, then would, would you characterize him best as misunderstood? Most
0: definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and clearly now if I'm honest with you, Paul, my, yeah, I mean, you're my dear friend, so I guess I can say this uh, candidly. I mean, the Michael Jackson time traveler is so bizarre. <laughs> it's so all over the place. I mean, and people seem to love it, and it does strike, I mean, my uh, sweetheart watches it. She loves it. it. It strikes a chord. It sort of ties in all this popular cultural reference and um, things that remain maybe unsaid, and it makes it explicit. Uh, Anyway, it's fun keep it up I mean so people can check it out and and love it or hate it uh, either way uh, it's a reinvention of you know of of the art that Michael Jackson made by by virtue of uh, of your and your vision and your um, ability for animation so we we could come back on that a little bit more, but I think we were trailing down an interesting topic of uh, religion and now this idea of uh you know uh i want to say book burning is a better way or in the beatles case uh throwing records you know uh, in the 1960s because he had said we're bigger than john lennon had made reference to being bigger than god and that was Mm -hmm. uh misconstrued perhaps um what is the difference between dogma religion and god
0: that's a good question um I mean, there must be some inherent spirituality in everyone and that feeling of of uh, grandness or overwhelmingness. And we all have that experience in life where we just feel just so just in touch with some kind of greater force. And that's probably what gave birth to religion. Religion is the order which comes of it. Religion is the power seeking kind of structure that man has created that goes beyond God and spirituality. So they had to create order to it to, you know, create structure, civilization. I mean, people aren't naturally meant to live in cities. uh, So these are constructs of a civilized man, you know, but pre that religion, spirituality was all about, you know, hunting animals, and it was mostly tribal, and so, you know, these constructs are made in a civilized world.
1: I'm I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily. You you, <laughs> you can't you can't uh, you can't package it up so neatly, so succinctly. Uh, those are <laughs> those are big concepts. I mean, I think um, I, I think it's interesting to graduate religion. You know, to to and understand that it moves through a hierarchy. You know, it starts as a cult and then becomes a sect and then becomes a, a religion. And uh, for folks to look at the church um, in a way, you know, whatever that church might be as a concept, you know, to, to take it for granted um, is, is dangerous in a lot of ways. It's, dig, you know, um, dogmatic. I was, um, so we'll, 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 we'll hold God to the side for one second. Maybe we won't <laughs> be able to answer that question in this episode. But I was reflecting, we're recording this shortly after the 20th, uh, anniversary of September 11th. And, um, I, you and I were probably very near to each other when, uh, when that occurred, I remember exactly where I was in the classroom that I was in and the announcement that came in and, um, and I reflected, I was journaling the other day and I reflected on this irony that is, um, you know, religious fanaticals flying into a building and and disrupting, um, you know, momentum of the modern era and going go, how we proceeded uh, in the 21st century as a result of of uh, fanatical religious beliefs. And we're in a Catholic school where they come over the PA system and tell us to pray. Mm hmm. And,
0: I do uh, remember that moment I was I was there in the class with you at that time um, now since then though it's there's so much more more depth to it and it's just as much political as it is religious as well yeah. that event and the many terrorist acts that have occurred since or prior um, you know it all starts with uh, the colonialism in The Middle East and uh, after World War One, France and England just splitting up the Middle East uh, out of the Ottoman Empire and cutting lines in the sand. Uh, So this stuff is more just as much political as it is religion. But the religion is obviously what's uh, consuming the minds of the people that are perpetrating the acts. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, uh, So... Yeah. Take us back, take us back to what you can recall of that moment. Uh, what was, what was going through your mind? If you can recall, um, uh, when, when, uh, September 11th, 2001 occurred,
0: you know, as a child, you, you don't seem to see the world quite in the same way you're focused on your world and unless it, it, it actually impacts your world, like we were 13 or 14, and if, if my town was burning, I would have, but cause it wasn't, it, you know, it's all on the TV, you know, you knew it was an impactful event, but you know, you didn't really, I mean, it, it did put a ripple, obviously the memory is still there and strong, but I don't feel like it changed any way that I look on the world. I just feel like it was a ripple in time, but I just, you know, you go on with your life. Uh, that's, and that's it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, uh. I don't recall any TV. Uh, it was only the PA announcement that I recall. And just to demonstrate, illustrate my naivety, uh, you know, when they made that announcement, I just took for granted that this was an ongoing war uh, that had ar- that was already taking place. When they they told us to pray uh, for the P- the lives lost, I didn't realize this was a new event. I I took for granted that this was, you know, some distant. Pl- war that had been going on for some time and that, you know, it was just yet another case that I should be uh mindful of, which I wasn't. And it just shows my naivety. And I don't think we were as old as 13 or 14. I think we were just a couple of a year or two younger than that. Um I can't recall exactly. The but it was day, in grade seven. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I remember the classroom that we were in, but we were in those classrooms for both seven and eight. <laughs> yeah. 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 So okay, well, that's um, that's that's curious. The you you, you mention um, colonialism, and I don't know if we need to go so far back in history uh, <laughs> to look at you know examples, or or even that far geographically. Uh, I mean, at home, uh, you know, colonialism uh, has taken place in in ways. What's your take? Recently, there was um, in Canada, really. Saddening discovery, I guess, or you know the the the, how do you describe uh, uh, your view on colonialism in Canada?
0: Well, you know, being a Canadian, you're only allowed to say so many different opinions, but I I don't tend to talk about things that I really don't know or understand or have all the facts for, and I don't get angry or upset about things that I don't understand or know or have the facts for. Sure. There's been so many tragedies in history. Uh, I tend to think about, you know, where to go from here and not to dig up, you know, tragedies and pain from the past because you can do it endlessly. So, of course, you know, it saddens me to think that there was pain in the past, but there's pain in the present. So -hmm. let's deal with the pain in the present. Uh, And I'm sure there's many ways that we can think on how to improve the lives of those living today Mm -hmm. rather than be mournful or regretful about lives that you know were lost in the past and that's basically encompassing on pretty much all the pains almost every continent in the world has a legacy of Mm -hmm. colonial pain and suffering and what are we all going to do go to england and demand maybe england should start paying up like why do we still have the queen on our dollar it was their fault that this all happened but then again i'm not going to say it is their fault because that's just history and it just happened it was a hard time back then and people did what they had to do and not all of it was right. So we live today though. I don't live a hundred years ago. You know, that's just it. I was born 32 years ago and those are the only years I know. I don't know anything beyond that.
1: Yeah. There's something here. Uh, I, 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 I like that. We, reflecting on our conversation yesterday also about, you know, the history is, is a concept as much as the future is. And we really only have the moment, uh, and, and how we conduct ourselves today. Um, yeah, that's, so maybe it is, maybe you are wiser to reflect on historical examples because the facts are sort of better established, um, rather than commenting or jumping on the bandwagon, so to speak on, on, uh, events that are happening currently. I just want to observe though, that, uh, and maybe this is another irony that, you know, you sidestep that question pretty well. You didn't. You you answered it in a way um, that you know that Well, you didn't answer it, and and that was well done. And I, I'm sort of reflecting on this irony that you know the the politicians of the day uh, always seem to be the ones who want to be there, and the people that ought to be there are the ones that don't want to be there. You, yeah. know, and, you know, you you do well. I think your message would you're at least with me, your message resonates, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we need to pause and reflect, uh, as Mark Twain eloquently, uh, said once, uh, or wrote once, I love this quote. He says, um, uh, you know, when you're on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. And, that's uh, right.
0: so, and you know, that, that's just it. And I deliberately avoid any media, whether I'm not on social media, I deliberately avoid the mass media because they're trying to get you rattled. They're not trying to help you, enlighten you. You know, the saying is learn from the past. The saying is not get all riled up because of the past. (laughs) You know, you don't you learn so you can improve the world of today. You don't get all angry about the past. Anger is a reaction. It's not like it's it's the most basic primal instinct. It's not an evolved instinct. It's not going to accomplish anything. You know, more war is not gonna end war. And, and know, I just, Mother I just, Teresa, I'm sure said that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to just, you know, illustrate how uh, algorithms I've, I've observed this. And that's one of the reasons I got off social media and whatnot, uh, because it's been shown. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, Jared Lanier's book, 10 Reasons to Quit Social Media Right Now. And he eloquently uh, demonstrates how it is that algorithms always resort back to those negative emotions, which are fear based, uh, mostly because they're the ones that are quickest, easiest to produce. I like how you say they're the least evolved, uh, the the most primal. Um, but they do seem to work. They do tend to get mass hysteria and, you know, and, um, and so the echo chamber is going in this direction. And so I'm guilty myself of watching the the daily news and boy, is it entertaining and man, oh man, does it make me feel unwell, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: you
1: know, I, and I do it, I, I do it to myself. I, 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 need to get myself out of that routine.
0: I think but we're you're, all you're, you're, drawn. you're
1: just to finish that thought. I wanted to also quote Denzel Washington. I remember him once saying, you know, you're uninformed if you don't watch the news and you're misinformed if you do.
0: <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, that I guess that sums it up nicely I mean all the news finds its way to you eventually I don't watch the news yet I know what's going on because everyone else seems to have to talk about it all the time so I always get to hear about all these subjects whether I watch it or not now I'm guilty too like in the mornings I'm I have a draw to look at the news I look at the business finance news sometimes they put stories in there that are not related to business and finance um And I keep it for uh, I do it for about a minute or two. I quickly skim the headlines, the business finance headlines. That's how I get my news fix. So we're not there's no perfect person out there that abstains from all news and everything. You know, we're all doing it. It's just about how you can. Is it controlling you or are you controlling it? Um, Why are you doing it out of your compulsion? Or are you doing it to gain knowledge, you know, to better yourself? So
1: I, I should highlight that one of my strategies is not to ever, um, well, to, to try not to subscribe to a single source always, you know, I, I always make sure that I'm hearing, um, you know, at least Canadian and, uh, and American news, you know, to try to contextualize or what I'm Canadian
0: and Russian news. That'll give you more even, uh, sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I have lively discussions with, uh, with my uh, sweetheart's father, who's keen on RT news. And uh, yeah, so you're familiar. And so, I mean, it depends on who you ask (laughs) (laughs) kind of like, kind of like how history is written by the victors. I I wanted, I wanted to challenge you on um, something or try to unfold this a little more earlier. You said about, um, about something being not natural. You said it was unnatural to live in cities and um i i question that i uh, and i guess that's my own bias uh, or maybe yours um you know being that you live in a more rural uh place than i do i'm in sort of toronto and this is the the uh the urban spot of of canada i'm not sure either way but i i question the, the idea of natural how is it that you know that it's not natural and what does it mean for something to be natural
0: well, in my description of the city not being natural, I was basing it on pre-times, you know, before the invention of the city. So it was certainly not natural at that time. Um, now we've had, you know, 10,000 plus years of, uh, city habitation. And so it's obviously formed some kind of naturality. People are, they they are naturally social creatures. So, um they do work well in those, uh, kind of environments. And, uh, you know, as at that time, my point was that, you know, religion was a construct that helped to keep, it was the glue almost that kept this, uh, this system together. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that city life is now, with that being said, I think 10 or 12 million people per a couple of square kilometers, that's not natural, Mm -hmm. you know, that in what has this COVID virus really shown us? Maybe city life isn't sustainable. You know, we can drive all the green cars we want. But if a virus gets into a big city, it's gonna wipe it out. And maybe COVID is just a warning sign of what really could happen. You know, it could hit. And it's just, if you're living in a city, that is just one of the risks you run. Uh, especially in these ridiculously overpopulated urban centers. And Toronto's not even one of them. No. There's some on not. this earth that are just out of this world. People living in shoeboxes. Is that yeah. the way man was meant to live or woman? You know, it's not right. But yeah. anyways, that's easy for a rural person to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
1: convenient. That's convenient. Uh, well, I challenge my own uh, perspective. I always had a desire to be in the city and I find it now uh, – you know, I find myself wondering to to draw on that same quote when when on the side of the majority. Um, you know, in the city, everyone's fleeing now since the pandemic, and it's created more opportunity, obviously, to for for people to get more affordable housing, et cetera. Uh, although, in a, you know, personally, I have this desire now to be more in touch with nature, and and I, it resonates with me what you uh, say about you know natural living being you know of the earth closer to the earth with less mediated means of experiencing um, you know the world uh, doing it firsthand, getting your hands dirty and so um, you know and, and obviously technology has uh, has allowed for that um, so maybe you know uh, being you know I, I do wonder if cities were, a product of the industrial revolution. Surely they were. And if, you know, rather than to say natural or unnatural, they're just a, a, an evolved part of the civilization, which is now dispersing as a result of technology. You know, I think the city, I, I agree, I think it might be coming to coming to an end and maybe we'll find a way with via the Internet of Things, for example, to live... Um, I, I, maybe I'm being you, you, maybe I'm describing some utopia, but there are some, yeah, there's some parallels to draw about population density, the virus, uh, information. I mean, these are all germane topics. Now I'm rambling. (laughs) What about conducting, you know, I guess at, at a certain level you have a choice in how you want to conduct your own life, but, uh, in terms of civilization, there's also decisions to be made in how you vote, for example. And we have an upcoming election uh, for someone that that is cognizant of how you keep yourself informed. Um, where do you see yourself with this? Uh, what they what do they call it? A snap election happening suddenly in Canada, yes. uh, and and dare I ask where you think you'll weigh in on, uh, on ballot day, or will you sidestep that question too? And understandably so. Uh,
0: well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let it just flow and we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> well, firstly, I think it's a big waste of money, but you know, I guess, uh, having the right ruling party is, uh, I guess good in a democracy. So, I don't really see the whole point in it all because it costs how many millions of dollars and they've already blown so much money in the last couple of years. So I don't think it's very frugal of them to just throw elections out willy-nilly, but it's here now so you have to bear with it. You know, at first there's the thought that anyone but the guy you hate is the right choice. Uh, so that was the mentality that I had and I think some people have it you know anyone but the one you don't like and obviously in this case it's the one in power anyone but the one you don't like is or the one who stands the next best chance is the one you vote for so basically you may not like the next best one but you're better them than the one you don't like because they have power but my view has evolved from that. And now I'm starting to think, you know what better to vote for the one that you do like, even if they have no chance, than (laughs) the one just to, to spite the one you don't like. So that's where I'm standing now. And, uh, you know, my view before prior was even prior to this was that, you know, Slavov Zizek, he's a modern day philosopher, Everybody loves him. Um, he uh, he said that, uh, you know, the best thing to do to protest your current regime is to not vote at all. Because if no one voted, it would mean that none of the candidates had any power over you. So that was my, my post view. But now my view is maybe pick the one, if there is one, that you like, even if they stand no chance, give them your support and you know if if, if you if, if i make it there
1: yeah <laughs> it's such a it, it's such a what do you mean if you make it you think uh, you might not even uh, show up on day you'll have other other things they're, in your agenda
0: i'm not going to completely rule out that my personal life might be more important than uh, than that you know because mm. i hold my daily events higher than i do of the
1: political abstract situation.
0: because yeah, to be honest pressure. they don't care about me So why should I care about them? And Hmm. I know other people would say, well, you didn't have a voice. You don't deserve one, this, that, the other thing. But you know what? No one cares one bit about my life. They don't do anything for me. Only I work for me. So if I'm taking a day off for someone else, what am I getting out of it? Well, maybe I will. I probably will find the time. But I'm just saying I'm not
1: committing. Sure. Sure. You reserve the right. You know, I... I, I, um, I mean, I'm trying to decipher, uh, which color you'll, you'll opt for on the ballot <laughs> based on your responses. And I thought I knew, but now I, now I'm, uh, even more uncertain. <laughs> I, I, um, well, do you mind feeling that question? I, I, I love when, uh, my interviewees pose questions to me. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to be honest, I think I'm. I think I've sort of decided, and uh, just as the last election, I'll probably go the same. Uh, this election Oh wow, that answer <laughs> was even more <laughs> ambiguous than mine. No, it's it's just become so abundantly clear to me the need for sustainability. And uh, while I'm not as informed as I ought to be, many of the policies seem so much alike, and um, and I have a a personal policy for going for the underdog and theme with this, uh, show the Rex Crim show, giving voice to those who are most disenfranchised and, and unheard. And so I'll, uh, likely vote again, party this year.
0: Well, it's better to have a whole bunch of parties all with little power than one party with a lot of power, especially now with these times we're living in. We don't wanna to give too much power to any one party, whether whichever one that is. Cause to be honest, they're all corrupt. They're all just a bunch of blue collar or white collar uh bureaucrats who just wanna spend our money and don't care about really the average person. They care about their own individual power. So
1: I'm 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 reflecting already and I'm thinking, you know, of the implications, um of even saying out loud. And so I also reserve the right to not announce. I might cut that little piece out. So listeners don't know exactly the uh, party. Exactly. The, <laughs> <laughs> precisely. But I want to reflect um, uh, because I totally agree, or at least I used to have that same perspective. My vote doesn't matter as a youngster. I, there were, I'm a, embarrassed to say, and especially while I was abroad, I'm embarrassed to say there were years that went by and I cast no vote and, uh, most, uh, yeah, much of which was because of the same sentiments that you're expressing today. Um, other times, yeah, just because it was inconvenient or I was uninformed. Um, and most, uh, surprisingly, I, I guess I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me that showing up to the ballot box to, to, what do they call the official term when you just put an X through it or when you, um, when you decline to vote, uh, you know mm-hmm. that statistic also counts. And um, in in the modern day, now when I've become so aware of the uh, move towards authoritarianism and tyranny in the world, and I see states that are crumbling, and it does feel like we're arriving at a pinnacle. Um, and I don't know what that is, uh, but uh, but i guess the the small modicum of responsibility that i have and how privileged i am to live to have just been born in in a world where i have some say i mean uh, uh i think the least i could do is show up and and at least decline to vote and and let the the government know rather than just be a no-show um but that's that's my perspective more more recently yeah growing up growing up a little bit not to say yours is any less but that's, that's my that's my take
0: well you know you could also ask uh who was the ruler back when you know michelangelo was making his david you know who ruled the italy back then nobody yeah. cares nowadays who ruled the country when the great art was made so mm. you know that's from a perspective and I, I know I try to talk myself up as some amazing artist, but, you know, really in the long run, nobody remembers these rulers unless they literally take over half the planet, which, you know, very few manage to do.
1: <laughs> well, well, we might be on the precipice of this with uh, technology um, and, and you know, the direction that data, these sort of data informed decisions and the collection of data is going. But I believe to answer your question with um, Michelangelo, it must have been the church.
0: well pretty much uh yeah
1: pretty much (laughs) i i think there's um you know something further to be said about um you know drawing on technology again uh i was going to ask you about cryptocurrency and uh and specifically blockchain technology you know it seems going to the ballot box and um you know it even just marking pen on paper these days is seems to be obsolete already. Uh, we're heading towards, um, it feels at least like we're on a, on, on the brink or some catalyst of change and it's happening slowly, but surely, um, do you have an opinion on blockchain, uh, cryptocurrency specifically?
0: Well, it's, uh, it's a new thing. And, uh, yeah, I, um, like, I think for a lot of people who have disposable income, who don't know what to invest in, because, you know, to get in the real estate game costs a lot, just to even hop in the, the market. Um, and I think that was the big question. When COVID started, a lot of people couldn't travel, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And they had a lot of disposable income. So the question was, where do I put my money? And I think these uh, blockchain technologies uh, ended up being the choice for a lot of people, uh, especially with the internet discourse. They thought that it would be a good way to make some more money. And a lot of them were very successful. And I think just that that thought of doing that was what made it so successful. It was a self-fulfilling thing. People saw it as a good way to make money. A lot of them made money so they continued to make more and invest more in it. So it's uh it's too early to say right now, you know what the long term will be in this. I myself prefer more stable investments, more uh but I'm fortunate enough to be able to enter into these investments uh, such as real estate and real things that I can you know, bricks and mortar have always been a good investment. Maybe they don't have the crazy growth of a blockchain, but there's more of a stability. I mean, if you look back, there's been market crashes of all kinds of all different things. And uh, one internet bug or one solar flare could wipe out the whole system. So, you know, there is definitely vulnerability in that, in that you just can't ignore it. But um, who knows, maybe the internet will pose the qu- answer to the you know modern day currency problems but at the same time a thousand different currencies seem seem a little much like every country's got their own money and now there's a million other monies out there it's like you know it it get get you begs the question which one do i trust yeah well there's the big ones but what about all these other ones it's it seems a little mind boggling so I just prefer, I don't even trust the bank. So I'm not trusting, you know, someone or something that I have no control over and don't know what it really is truly. So that's my view on it. But I mean, if people have made money through it, then good for them. And, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, the chance is there to lose everything.
1: Put uh, cryptocurrency aside and, and divorce it, you know, with the, the, um, the technology of uh, cryptography and and the idea of blockchain technology in itself. Are you are you aware of like? Do you have an understanding of blockchain and and the basis? Not that I'm some expert, but I have some sense of the implications that this technology uh, uh, might be useful for in future. Um, is it is for- it
0: more into encryption? F- for
1: well, encryption is is the the one side of cryptographics uh, which interests me, and that's only new since I think the 1950s. You know the 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 uh, the work that's being done there, uh, but specifically with blockchain technology, just this idea of being able to maintain a, a ledger that is um, dispersed and decentralized across the world, basically via anyone who has the computing power to do it, and thereby. Mm-hmm you know, uh, ensuring there's accountability. So when you, or, and anyone refers back to that ledger, they can see which transaction occurred where and when now that's, that's applicable beyond cryptocurrency, for example, in elections, being able to determine, um, you know, uh, um, how many votes, for example, or which locations or, um i'm thinking of other implications for blockchain like food sustainability uh, if you want to know that you had uh, you know um chicken that was um that was made sustainably and not farm fed you can actually track and and have uh, not trust that your food was done was uh, was treated ethically but you have proof of work and so the idea of uh, of blockchain comes not with um belief and trust but with with evidence and 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 uh, and proof of work, I think there's a lot of potential here. So um, maybe I'll pose the question to you: You know, more broadly, um, unless you want to speak specifically on blockchain, what do you make of the the state of affairs? There seems to be a lot of uh, mistrust in science, and um, I see scientists, you know, being more aligned to the idea of proof of work. But you see all this talk of vaccines and and the pandemic currently, I mean, it's an oxymoron to say, I don't believe in science because science is about demonstrating proof of work. Um, whereas belief is about trusting in God or, or the church. Uh, Mm -hmm. can you help me extrapolate this idea a little bit more between belief and, and proof of work?
0: Um, it's a, yeah, that's a, a good one. I mean, yeah, there's such a polarization on going on right now between the different groups and it's almost like the they're saying pick a side and uh and get ready to fight and it's it's uh, one of those battles that i'm not partaking in i have people who are on both sides you know and everyone does we all have family and friends who are on both sides and i i'm partisan i'm not on a, a side because it's all just, you know, there's just everyone has their bit. And yes, yeah, science is, uh science is, is obviously done a lot of good. So you can't argue with that fact that science hasn't brought us so far. But at the same time, there is an agenda here. And uh I don't think everything has been put forward clearly. Like, yeah, I don't want to go too deep down the vaccine sure. road because sure. it just opens up the can of worms. But yeah. you know, I just see um, it's almost like a blind obedience, and blind obedience in a democracy is basically undermining the whole foundation of democracy. So, where do we draw the line in the authoritarianism? You know, so that's um, yeah,
1: yeah. Another uh, but I another do like question. The
0: blockchain. I mean, I I have heard about the blockchain. Technology and it, it is, uh, you see it in nature too, like you look at an ant colony, they're all looking after each other and you see that going forward with technology, that may be the future in technology, the blockchain, um, so that I, am- I do see a future with that for sure.
1: I'm thinking of another implication for blockchain technology. I hadn't, uh, I mean, that's a fancy word for just saying, you know, an official ledger that anyone can Mm -hmm. refer to and and see. And, you know, I think think there is a, a confluence of believing in the science because, you know, what is the currency of science? It seems to be academic papers and, you know, undoubtedly there's corruption that goes on there too. Uh, you know, however many times your academic paper was referenced, for example, which journals, the metrics associated with valuing, you know, um, universities and, and journals in themselves. So blockchain has implications also for being able to show where raw data, how raw data is collected, and and how it's then disseminated, and 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 the results finding. So anyone who wants to inquire further about any study can just refer back to the blockchain and see from inception to to end result um yeah i i, I see a lot of potential there and it's uh maybe that would be useful for something like vaccines rather than having to trust the studies that are being produced and i i will just come out and say that on my own personal cost benefit analysis and living in the city it just made sense so i have both a F- pfizer and a moderna vaccine and i feel more than anything like a guinea pig uh, you know, taking one of each in either arm, sort of thing. Um, you know, so I have a green check mark next to my name when I want to go. You know, through th- through different lines. Um, but I, for those who are skeptical or hesitant, or to your point about you know um, feeling like blindly obedient, uh, there's there's a there's a lot of prospect for being able to show. And I think this idea of a vac- vaccine passport is an example of the type of things that we're going to see going forward with blockchain technology, not are, are you well prove that you're well?
0: Yes. Well, the whole vaccine passport is another level. Um, But uh, going back to the scientific uh, element, like if you look at any scientific study in history, there was, you'll see that the people had to fight to get their ideas across and it wasn't the masses that fought them the hardest. It was the other, scientists the professionals who had strong viewpoints and now you're suggesting and it's very likely true coming to fruition especially with the vaccine everyone's an expert everyone's done their research and everyone's fighting you know and it's 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 like now it's just not the experts and and you know we i i was under the impression before that the expert way of doing things was flawed, because you had these experts who had gone through their PhDs, they had these strong biases. But now I'm seeing uh, everyone as an expert, I'm realizing, wow, that way is actually wasn't that bad. (laughs) This, you know, you've gotten people who have, uh, you know, and I'm not saying education is always everything, but they people who have formed some very strong opinions with very little information. So yeah, but back to the vaccine passport, um, it does concern me a tiny bit, um, for the government to say that you all need to take this it's for your own good. Uh, and you know, we're demanding you take it. And it's, it's like, where does that the beginning of, of a new era in, you know, in our society's, uh, control? Like for instance, if they all told us we needed a chip for our own good, we needed to have the chip in us you know, where do you draw the line on personal freedoms? And yeah, they say, well, going to the restaurant or the bar is, is, you know, you're, that's not a freedom. That's, we're giving that to you to be nice to you. Well, and in history, I don't ever recall that being something they could give and take away. But now all of a sudden it is, you know, now all of a sudden going to a restaurant or a bar or any public establishment is a free, is a, is a, right that they give you not a freedom i don't recall that being something in history but you know
1: that's a good example of the sort of precipice that i uh, was alluding to earlier i feel like we're on the brink of this change and that's a that's a perfect example um where where that change is happening uh, although i take your point it does seem like you're being directed to have the vaccine although the official stance is um is, is not that they're requiring you to, but they're encouraging you to, and they're incentivizing you to do it by creating um, allowances for those who do it and, and it, this becoming the basis of some significant discrimination. Uh, so if you don't have the vaccine, you're not able to fully participate in society.
0: That's right. And you see it in, in everyday life. Uh, there is a bias against people who have chosen to not do it. They are almost the new um, minority, we'll say, you know, if for lack of a better word. They're the ones, they're the, I don't want to start throwing these uh, words out too easily. Uh, but in, you know, in the Nazi era, there was a name for a person that was less than the other ones. And I'm not saying it's going to that extreme, but I, you know, people are asking other people about their personal medical Information, you know, and just idle conversation, and I do feel like it's getting to be a little intrusive. Um, you know, you shouldn't be asking people their personal me- medical information on any subject, and that's just something that I think we've all hold we've all held dear. So and
1: here, here I am broadcasting it for anyone who's interested in knowing. Uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> the type. You know, it's it's a curious time. Um, to be alive. I, I, I want to interrogate you a little further on this idea and maybe draw back to your, uh, your stance on the elections. Um, you know, th- we enjoy these freedoms. Uh, you know, there is, uh, um, a lot of conversation, especially in the States where, you know, it's, it's your right. You're entitled to these certain rights, but, um, I find lacking in the conversation is the is the counterpart to having rights and freedoms which is responsibility. So in the case of enjoying, you know, the privilege of democracy, you have a, a responsibility to vote in order to be part of civilization which is kind of your not necessarily your choice or certainly in a in a city it is, but assuming the social contract, you know, being in a civilization comes with certain responsibilities where do you make room for um or or how do you differentiate the difference between rights and responsibilities
0: that's a good question um it's it's so hard to define it in like i i from being in a smaller rural community there's a certain responsibility to you know uphold the community and these are the the old time, whatever fundamentals that, you know, everyone looked after one another and it was a, a, and a more balanced system. Now that's where I live here, but that's in this idyllic little rural town in the big city. You're not looking after your neighbors. It's the rat race. Everyone's in it for themselves. Um, rights and responsibilities. I mean, there's some basic human responsibilities. You're not supposed to turn away from someone else in need but you do it every day people are on the street begging for money it's not your responsibility to go and bring them in and give them a shower you know you you we are all in it for ourselves we're all in it for the but you know where do you draw the line uh, to to help and to hurt or whatever i mean you should never be hurting but um mm-hmm. You know, you're but right. But some,
1: some, some could say I'm hurting. You know, by by using my voice and giving a, an avenue to uh, to you know con- ex convicts or people in that in, are involved with the justice system or pedophiles or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, that's my way of giving back uh, my small little part. And so I see that as you know part of my responsibility since I have a voice. Um, uh, I guess in your case, you know, you're committed to art and, and finding a way to create meaning. And I'm going to, hopefully we're going to tie this conversation back to the idea of meaning and purpose, but, um, but I'm still, you know, wondering, uh, if it's your right to not be vaccinated, then, then where does the responsibility come in? It's
0: yeah. I mean, it's a tricky one too. I, you just like, yeah, if you make someone else sick, through your, through your actions, then should you be held responsible? Well, in the past, that was never even, no one would even suggest something like that for Mm -hmm. any illness. I mean, if you passed on pneumonia to someone, if you went to a retirement home and passed on some kind of airborne flu and someone died, you wouldn't even have known it. And Mm. of course, no one would ever criticize you for that action. Now that it's, been thrust into the spotlight um people want blood they want to see almost justice served and i think it's also because of anger due to the change in their lifestyle everyone wants to go back to normal and you'll see me doing the, <laughs> yeah, the
1: air quotes <laughs> yeah, for that's anyone right. who's still but listening to this conversation if, if you're Paul- still here but
0: Um, so they want that justice because they're saying you're the one now holding us back from getting back to where, you know, we want to be. That place may never come again. Uh, things may now have changed forever and you may never go back. Uh, I think vaccine passports are something to get used to. Uh, if you want to travel, it's not going away. It's going to be here forever. Um, and you know, it's, it's sad in a way, but, I think it's just one more thing putting the developing nations at disadvantage, because we, as the developed nation, we can have easier access to the vaccines, perhaps better vaccines. Um, I know that there's a few others out there, like the Russian Sputnik uh, vaccine, which I don't know anything. I don't trust our vaccines, so I'm not going to trust theirs. But it's it's uh, it's devious, and I do feel like this whole thing there has been there's undertones of uh, of some greater plot and uh, i'm not going into the conspiracy theory territory but i do feel like there's um more to it you know you always mm-hmm. you'll learn the truth will be uncovered in time and uh uh these poor nations have become so much more disadvantaged they lack the rights basically if you have money you can keep it if you don't you're never getting it and the green energy is lovely for us who live in the western world who can afford nice electric cars if you live in the developing world oil was the only way that your nation was going to get prosperous and it's basically a big fuck you to any developing nation so i feel like it's all part of the same agenda just to kind of stop growth or not stop it but limit growth and hey maybe in the end it actually is the more sustainable option to, to stop human growth we're, what are we growing for what are we growing to we're just expanding our population till we reach the max threshold the world can take like that's not right so maybe the greater powers maybe i'd do the same thing if i were them so you know it's not right or wrong it just is yeah
1: i uh i just am. Uh, compelled to ask if you're familiar with any of uh, Jeremy Rufkin's work. He was an economist and he wrote uh, the book, The Third Industrial Revolution. And that's where I gained this idea of the internet of things. And it feels like we're approaching that where um, when the internet of things in air quotes here is available to I mean, right now the internet is almost available to nearly everyone in the, you know, developed and undeveloped world. But when that is, is established and everyone has uh, access um, to the internet, you know, then the, the things become available for, this is my, my small bit of understanding, the, the internet of things allows for um, you to, for example, transfer energy across the internet, uh, to be able to, you know, a a true globalization. Um, are you familiar at all with any of this? It, yes.
0: And, uh, you know, something that I read too, which is interesting is that the internet is not the internet everywhere you go. Hmm. You could go to China and it's, uh, not the internet that you have. You could go to, so when the internet does come to these developing nations, it's not the same internet that you or I will get and it won't necessarily link all of us up together in a perfect utopian world the internet that they get is the internet that Bill Gates decided they got or the internet mm. that the current regime in China decided that they got whoever got there first and gave them the smartphones is the one who decides what internet they get and what messages I, they're going to receive
1: I, I understand So yes I do
0: see the, the there's the possibility of connection and everyone living happily off together, or I mean, maybe I'm being exaggeration to there, but, um, I, uh, it's a tricky one, uh, for sure. The internet isn't the solution to all of our problems.
1: <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Uh, and I, uh, I take your point. I, I've read of smartphones being issued for free, um, where, whereby the internet available on them is Facebook, Yeah. Uh, you know, and so earlier to your your reference of um, conspiracy or conspiratorial, you know, I've I've been thinking there was a really interesting documentary. Any any documentary of which, uh, as you'd mentioned earlier, should be taken w- with a grain of salt because it's a document that is created and has a purpose and serves certain purposes over others. Um, but anyway, this one happened to be on HBO, and it was all about QAnon. Um, and I think I was maybe hung over that day and I couldn't watch it anymore because it was making me feel so unwell, even more (laughs) unwell than, than the news causes me every night. Uh, but I'm going to pick it up because it was very interesting. Um, if, if you're familiar, are you, have you heard of the term QAnon? Do you know that in the States? I, I do not. Okay. It's, uh, well, it's a good example of a conspiracy Q being Q level, um, government uh um you know top secret um da da, da da da. I'm not that well informed, but uh Q is this anonymous person on the internet who's dropping details and it's created a following that's led to um people are claiming it's led to such things as the the Capitol um siege in January in the US and it's leading to a lot of discord. Um my point that I'm just trying to illustrate this idea of conspiracy uh, i i think it you know well let, let me pose this where where do you see conspiracy thinking as is, is becoming um more prevalent today or is this just a, a constant that's always been the case over time
0: well the internet as uh, what was bad before covid with it, when it came to conspiracy and yeah. covid just made it all that much more worse so yeah. I, I think that the word is thrown around so freely and it's mm-hmm. almost used uh, to discredit people maybe with actual points of view that are worth listening to. You can throw the word conspiracy theory at anything you don't like. The mass media does it all the time. Now, with that being said, there are a lot of them out there. So it's hard to find the where the truth
1: lies. It's it's hard. I like that. Where the truth lies. um you know, um, some would have you say, you know, my truth these days, they they're talk about post-truth, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which oh, is, dear. you know, I, I, I don't know. I live in a pretty subjective world and I love nuance, um, but there has to be at a certain point, you know, things that are, we agree on. I mean, there needs to be some basis of reality, you know, so mm-hmm. truth seems like a good <laughs> a good measure for that, whatever What that you is. can
0: see, hear, and feel typically is a good place to start for the truth. Uh, everything else, uh, I would put in a maybe category.
1: Well, (laughs) I, I want to finish that thought on conspiracies because this documentary, um, opened my eyes to the idea that the way information is being shared these days, um, you know, aside from podcasts, which are long form conversation and, and somehow meaningful, um, the vast majority of information is snippets, you know, small snippets, characters in a tweet, images, memes, and, uh, you know, memes are funny and f- humor is real because it has some semblance of truth. And so, you know, I think that in my view anyway, is that there's um, an uptick in conspiracy, conspiracy thinking. And I think that's as a result of the mediated way that we communicate, much of which is through memes. And so people are, there's a confluence of ideas where there's semblances of truth and people then move on to their own imagination. You can, you can end up, you can imagine, you know, there's no limit to where people might end up in, in their beliefs. Um, I, I, I want to pick up to where something you said earlier on, um, you know, it's this polarization. It seems like you're either or these days and uh, you and I find us having a, a nuanced conversation. And I, I think there's, it's becoming a dying thing these days to, to find nuance. Um, I want to ask you uh, to uh, just to, to finish on the topic of vaccines before we, move on and maybe, uh, conclude for another episode. Um, what would it take? You know, you said, I, I, I currently don't trust the vaccines. And earlier we talked about trust and belief versus science and proof of work. What would it take for you to trust or to believe in something like a vaccine?
0: That is an excellent question. And that is, would be the answer. Uh, the answer that I would give to that would be, The same answer I would give if you were to ask me, what would it take you to trust anything? And I think the answer is time. Mm -hmm. You're going to you're going to trust things the more you get to know them. Um, Those that maybe are more reluctant will see the results of the vaccine over a longer period of time and say, "Okay, I see that there is no long term effects. I'm beginning to trust this now. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing. It's. We all have our process and and there's so many vaccines out there from a medical perspective and everyone's taking them. And all of a sudden now there's this one. And the more they try to ram it in you, the more people will resist. It's a natural thing. If it was all commonplace, some people would get it, some people wouldn't. But there wouldn't be this fighting anti-resistance that we're getting because they're pushing it so hard. Now they have their agenda, which is clear. They want some semblance of society to occur once more so they you understand it but in time i'm sure you know it will all be good let's hope let's just hope that it doesn't become a reoccurring thing where you need to now get the 10th booster and it becomes now they've got their hook on you you know i don't want to see that happen it would be nice if they gave it to you once and you're good to go it's not going to happen every year it's going to be the new strain And the new vaccine and every time it's going to be something different. And that's the world I don't want to live in. I won't be part of that. But eventually I will get the first one um, in time and probably not too long. I mean, we all want to live our free life and travel and this and that. And, you know, I'm a man in fit age. I'm not afraid of the virus. I'm not I shouldn't be afraid of the vaccine. (laughs) So
1: (laughs) that answers
0: the question.
1: Yeah. Good answer. Time uh, will tell, although, you know, uh, there is a real sense of alarm, you know, and, and need to, especially for people that are gung ho on getting back to normal in air quotes, you know, we, we must acknowledge that, that, uh, there is no going back. It's only forward. That's right. And and only being in the moment. Um, and I, I like your assessment, um, Uh, you know, of, of, and, and diligence and taking the time. And you, I guess, have, uh, have the, the privilege being in a rural place to, to be able to take a little bit more time in, in your decision. Um, I ha I talked to people, I I had a a co-worker for example, and in the city of Toronto and, uh, and he was against, the idea of vaccines, and I would sit down and have meaningful discussion about. You know, I, I would try to put myself in his position, and he in in mine. Uh, you know, and I fully well make room for the possibility that I've been duped. You know, I, I've take <laughs> I've taken vaccines uh, foolishly. You know, I totally make room for that possibility. Um, the cost benefit makes sense for me, but I I make room for the possibility and hope that they can do the same uh, to see my perspective. And so there's some understanding and, um, and that ties in nicely, you know, to the idea of where I find purpose in life. And I guess that has to do with, uh, understanding nuance, seeing purpose, uh, you know, uh, right now my purpose seems to be giving voice to, to disenfranchised folks. Uh, and that comes from appreciating the nuance. Where do you find your purpose? That's a very good question. I think everyone should, at
0: one point in their life or another, think about the answer to that question. What is your purpose? Um, What are you working for? Is it just blind greed, accumulation of wealth? Mm -hmm. Which, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of pushed in that direction. And, And the older you get, there's always someone to look to that has more than you. And always someone that you could envy in, in their status or in their accumulation of wealth. Um, I think that that is the wrong way to look at purpose. Um, purpose should be self-actualized, self-actualization or my even, is that even a word?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. You're, you're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and at the top of that apex of that is the self-actualization.
0: That's exactly. And it goes beyond, as we discussed at the beginning of our conversation, the basic primal needs um I want to make something on this earth, create something that um touches people, brings people together, uh brings people joy, maybe not always joy, but maybe makes them feel, maybe makes them question and build upon a legacy of humans that have done the same. You know, it's so wonderful to see people who have devoted their life, to these greater projects, these goals, which weren't for their own gain. They were just for the joy and the thrill of uh, of create. And I'm, I'm referring to art for the most part here, working towards a purpose and dedicating your life to something which didn't make you any money, but gave people so much joy or not even joy, but just gave back to humanity. And that in the long run is what I'd like to do. And if you can help humanity in the meantime, that's great too. And what about yourself? Do you have a purpose?
1: Well, I'm thinking lately of um, I. I uh, every day I wake up and I've decided that well, it it seems to be the case that and, and you and I talked about this offline yesterday uh, in a in in your own experience you you had recently where you you described being able to make the conscious choice. And I've started each of my days now making the choice, you know, that it's going to be a good day and and I get to decide how I direct it, you know, that, that experience. Um, I think it's the book, find your why, or a phrase that I've been really contemplating lately, you know, find your why, what is your purpose? And, um, um, for me right now, you know, I, I, it's a matter of testing it out by intuition and feeling. And, uh, I listened to a YouTube. Sometimes I listen to inspirational talks and this morning I have Oprah happened to be one of them. And, uh, she was, you know, not that it matters who it was, but the, the idea in itself resonated with me about, um, you know, feel whatever it is that feels the most right to you at that moment, um, is, is what, you know, what matters most and there are s- there's so much distraction, so much um so so many directions to be pulled, you know, and and um uh I don't know where the hell I'm going with this. I'm uh I'm rambling. <laughs> I, I to, think to what you
0: me. mean to say is uh the voice and the purpose are kind of one and the same thing. Your voice and need to be heard is really your purpose in life, is what you're mm-hmm. giving
1: Yeah. I think that there's uh, something further about service to be said here, to be service to others. And, uh, I've alluded, I haven't, you know, I don't say explicitly what I do, but, you know, for those who know, I work, uh, with disenfranchised folks and I see the need, um, you know, often they don't have the capacity to articulate the situation that they, the, the plight that they find themselves in. um, uh, and I have that capacity. So I lend my uh, actual voice uh, by creating a space for, for them to to be heard. Uh, so for now, that's good enough. That's my purpose uh, at the moment. Uh, in addition to being curious and asking questions, uh, that's something that comes naturally for me. and And that feels the most right for me now. And I spend a lot of time worrying about what the naysayers might say. Uh, and I guess anyone can relate with this. Um, but you have to forget the naysayers at a certain point because vast majority of the time I've found myself worrying, uh, it never comes to fruition.
0: That's right. So. And that's why, you know, social media has its purposes, but it really doesn't bring any good, positive, you know, voices out. You know, it's not not a product of, uh, of natural purpose or
1: voice. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm reflecting on my answer already, the idea of being service to others. I mean, some could say that by, uh, you know, sharing likes and being on, you know, the, the, uh, the echo systems of social media, uh, that you're serving, you know, some purpose. So I think there needs to be something more meaningful than that. It really has to be Yeah. Meaningful. And I, I like how we were reflecting yesterday on what was it that you were telling me? And we, we, we decided on the need for living an examined life and, uh, being, you know, reflexive of your situation and not being so hard on yourself, but just being an observer. That was it, being an observer of your own thoughts. You know, there are so many people and I'm guilty of this myself. You just fall into this situation of being told, um, what to think or what to do or how to feel. Um, but if you can take the time, and this is what I'm learning, to get to unplug, to not be participating in the news or whatever the case may be, uh, to just become an observer of my own thoughts. And that, that seems to direct me and fuel that intuition.
0: I think pre-internet, we weren't given the choice to be unplugged because we were simply unplugged. We were left with our own thoughts. And that developed you as a person nowadays uh you never have to get unplugged so you have to deliberately make the time to grow and to you know find your voice find who you are you need to literate. you need to be the one in control we're asked to do a lot we're asked to control a lot and we're we're asking children to you know have a lot of self-discipline you know we never had self-discipline as kids we were disciplined by the world around us. Nowadays, everyone needs to discipline themselves because you can so easily get too much uh, of anything, uh, whether it be online or offline, um, whatever, substances, anything, you know, it's all at our fingertips. It's a bountiful, you know, we have everything we need. And I mean, maybe not everyone in the world is faced with this problem, but in the first world, this is the issue we face is it's all there we need to be the disciplinary force on ourselves, on our own body. And you know, you find you have that mind-body conflict where your body will just keep taking more and more and your mind now has to be the mediator when in the past there was a system, religion, whatever, or just basically nature itself to mediate. And that's the hard part, I think. And that's where you know your voice sometimes can get drowned out because you, and you may even lose it for some time, If you don't step back and, you know, really think, who am I? What really does make me happy? What really does feel good? Like you said, uh, Oprah knows what she's talking about in that regard. So
1: I I regret I regret dropping any names now. uh, (laughs) So that I think is the real truth
0: is we all need to look into ourselves and think, what can we give? I mean, service to mankind. It might just be as well service to yourself because you're yeah. mankind, you know, you're humankind, you deserve to be happy. Uh, you know, we, me, me and my brothers had a saying, which was end world suffering. And it all starts by ending your own suffering. Yeah. <laughs> and if you could just end one person suffering, you make the world a better place. Start with yourself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Um, pay yourself first. Is another uh, book that's coming to mind, and and that's something that I practice um, too. You've you've very nicely uh, and neatly summed up, you know, something that I've been harping on and in in, uh, in my life and in this Rex Krim show, uh, you know, this differentiating, you know, the external forces and the internal ones that that happen in here. You know, there's an external locus of control, and that's. The victim—that's the person who sees life as happening to them without any control over their circumstances—and then there's the in, internally focused person who has discipline. And I agree that the challenge uh, of the day now seems to, uh, at least for me, it's disciplining myself to to be unplugged, even if it's ten minutes or so, just to collect my thoughts, just to be present in the moment, not focusing on the past or the future, but but now. So I'm um I'm I'm thinking of two questions that I want to conclude with for you. Uh um mindful that you know you've got a youngster on the way. How long uh how far along is the pregnancy?
0: We've got now um about two and a half more months or so before it comes. The arrival. So, so yeah, now that's starting to scare even me, just even saying it out loud. <laughs> Dear yeah. me. So uh yeah, no none none right now. This will be the first one. So I'm enjoying my life and almost it's putting the present uh, in perspective. I'm I'm looking at the present now as uh, this special free time because it's almost like once you cross that barrier, you never go back, right? You'll never be back here again. Now, I'm not obviously upset about it at all, but I am enjoying the time uh, got, my time <laughs>
1: in, in, enjoying this moment. Now, uh, I, I'm thinking of, uh, another thing John Lennon said, life happens when you're making other plans. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, in your case, uh, um, that two months is going to fly by and I, it might be more difficult to, to, uh, track you down and get, uh, you know, two hours or so of your time. I wanted to, um, so the questions that I'm I'm wanting to conclude on with you is, you know, where do you see the world going and what is your vision for the future?
0: That's uh, interesting. Yeah, well, it's so hard to say. Um, the, the internet has given us so much uh, in terms of uh, freely available information, but it's also a great power of control. Um, it's entering our lives more and more. Smartphones, whatever we're giving it all the way, it's all there, and your blockchain technology, which you know, responsibility and whatever, is just going to basically keep tabs on more elements in our life. Um, there's a lot of uh, forward-thinking people in the mainstream who are talking about a future world where you know everything is green and the world's perfect. I don't really see it happening as soon as they say, I think it's all a lot of talk right now. It'll be interesting to see what really happens. I think in 10 years, there will be more electric cars, but they won't be what they say they are. It's all just talk right now. Uh, I think if we can just move in that direction, that would be good. Now, if we could involve people in politics more then I think that would help out. And maybe the internet has a place for that. Maybe there's more uh, ability for people to get involved. Um, but to be honest, <laughs> I don't see things getting really better. I think the era of consumerism has kind of turned the corner affordability. There's now being uh, shortages of supplies, materials, and, um, the prices are not going to keep going down for the longest time. Everything was going down all the time. Uh, our buying power was increasing. Our buying power is going to turn the corner. I think there's going to be a turn towards localization. You're going to see more products made at home. We're going to say, we don't want to get, uh, stuck in a trade block or a shortage from shit that comes from China. Let's produce it domestically. It's going to cost more, but Hey, at least we can control the supplies. And when in my profession, When I hear that it's made locally, I'm willing to pay more for it because I know it's going to be a more readily available and B, it's probably going to be better quality. So I think that's going to be what we're going to see happen. Localization, which is a healthier turn. Uh, It's going to produce basically a better local economy and downtrodden areas here are going to see growth. So that is my optimistic view on the future. Maybe more control with the internet but maybe a greater growth of uh local
1: economies mm-hmm. i uh was th- what where do you put the u.s uh as a superpower in uh in the next um 20 years
0: uh the united states is a scary place and it's scary that it's so close to us um <laughs> You Know, I, I have seen a lot about micro factories. The technology for these micro factories is becoming readily available, so I think domestic, more domestic, uh, industry is going to return there. And the states is going to continue to be a place of uh, segmentation, unrest, and with any luck, they can hold it together. And there are no major wars break out, um, in the next 20 years, but at the same time. All this uh, inflation and monetary spending, there has to be a recession and there probably will be some kind of war occurring in the next 10 to 20 years. It would be shocking if it didn't happen. Sad to hear, but it's probably going to happen somewhere, most likely in Africa or the Middle East or potentially South America, somewhere where both China and America are competing for dominance. That's why Africa would be an obvious choice. So Anyways, I, I see that America is going to, I don't know. It's a, it's a scary place. And I don't even, I try not to look at that country too much. Uh, it's a frightening place. I'm glad we have a good, pretty good here in Canada.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, there's plenty to be grateful for. Um, but I, I again, I take your point about the, uh, the whole seemingly, well, the, the concern of hopelessness, um, you know, there's a lot of things to be concerned about, and th- our conversation started with the topic of addiction, uh, and we hardly even touched on substances. Um, um, I've put forward, you know, a suggestion about the idea of psychedelics. Uh, you see a lot of research underway, and I think there's some promise um, um, in, you know, these substances and being able to activate, you know, for people a sensibility about the present, uh, the capacity for, you know, becoming an observer of your own thoughts and living an examined life, um, for healing trauma. And, uh, sometimes you, you know, I, I wonder what it would be like to just, you know, have politicians on LSD and, uh, see what the outcome might be. <laughs> it, it might be a more, um, loving place, um, from what I understand.
0: Yeah, the, the psychedelics, uh, the nicest thing is that they, they give you that, like you said, outside perspective of, uh, of your own existence of the world around you. They break all your preconceived notions, or at least they question them. Um, but in the right time, in the right place, uh, they can certainly do damage to the unformed mind or the, uh, you know, wrong mind, um, it's, it's a tricky one. And I think everything uh, needs to be done with uh, moderation. And uh, yeah, like, for instance, the legalization of marijuana, in some ways was very good. But in other ways, I think it's been so overly commercialized, and st- almost kind of sickening the way that it's been just so heavily commercialized. It's just, like money is number one above all things and it was legalized as a medicinal product not as a recreational like that was the basis of the legalization that it had medicinal properties not that it's so but then at the same time i think a lot of users are quite um resourceful and they don't need these uh, s- these stores so a lot of them are probably not going to last because uh <laughs> The, the average user is resourceful. They, they know that now that it's legal, they can produce it for pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I do think raising a child too, you don't want that stuff rammed down people's throats. Alcohol's bad enough. And now we got mm-hmm. another thing that's just, and it's, it's, you know, when the right time, right place is fine, mm-hmm. but it, uh, it's almost too easy. Uh, yeah, it's, let's a, say, it's, a,
1: it's a fine line. I mean, from a, from a criminological point of view, I think drugs ought to be better, um, aligned with public health initiatives than, than the criminal justice system. Uh, that's, that's my right. informed view, you know, from a, from a policy standpoint on, on criminalization over the last so many years and prohibition, uh, decades prior. Um, yeah, it's exciting. It's it's exciting to think of where you and I might be in another uh decade or two and uh and to look back at, at this conversation and to pick it up from from there.
0: Well, hopefully we so, don't have to wait decades to do the next one.
1: Well, I'm hoping to see you uh, in person, my friend, um but uh, mindful of your time and uh and the attention span of our listeners who have <laughs> endured uh this long. <laughs> I I want to give you the final word um What, uh, what do you most look forward to in the near future?
0: I really do feel like, um, as you grow as a person and as an artist, you can, you can, you learn the greatest skill of all. And that skill is patience. Um, as a, as a person, as an artist, being a patient hunter, being a patient artist, being a patient human, you wait, you, you make it right you do it because you only get one chance and when you look back on your life did you did you do it your best did you were you patient did you rush to the finish line um you know that that is uh that's really the main thought here and and you know i i love uh, a lot of all pink floyd's music but one song that really is my number one favorite is the song time and uh there's one particular quote in that song that, uh, that really, if I could just try to remember it verbatim. <laughs> Take um, your time. Just look up the lyrics
1: here because. Not to worry. I'll just cut out all this nonsense and make you sound wonderful. Uh, could you do that for me? Do you, do you, do you mind singing the lyrics instead of just quoting them?
0: I, I could, uh, I could, I don't, I don't know about that. So, um, fuck so you're gonna have to cut all this
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see uh, is that you you're familiar with the song though eh? oh i know i was gonna say it uh, as soon as you said pink floyd i was thinking time <laughs> yeah t- it, it makes no difference so but i uh we, we were ramping up for a big one and um uh, i'll i'll end with you saying the phrase um but it's true that uh, patience is a lesson that I'm learning in many aspects of my life. And so I can't think of a better point to finish on. Uh, patience is a virtue.
0: Exactly. And, uh, just in terms of, you know, the art that I'm now making, like, like I mentioned to you yesterday, you could make a hundred videos and all of them just quickly produced to satisfy a, a fan base but then you know i i think i'd rather spend 10 years and make something that really is one of a kind really is special and i think that's what artists of the last century did they didn't do it because they wanted some instant gratification they did it cuz they had a vision and they saw it through to the end and they had the patience and i think the internet has stripped us of that patience that instant gratification is kind of taking away why patience when you can get uh uh when you can just get those instant, uh, I don't
1: know. Those instant fix. You're you're still looking for the, the yeah, lyrics. I but I, I don't I sh- really know where it is here. Um, we'll just reference the song Time. Uh, yeah, people can the check song Time. There's,
0: they can, it's no real quote, I guess, in the song. It's just the song in general. It's
1: about just life. Just quote, and- quote the whole goddamn song, why don't you? <laughs> just <laughs> plug that yeah. in there. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I, I There's just a final thought that's coming to mind, and this might happen all day. <laughs> we might never end. But I was, I I was thinking, you know, earlier when we started about drugs and you were saying uh, about picking your poison, you know, better to not have any drugs um, because you don't know what you're missing. Uh, But I wonder if you can apply the the principle, you know, if you, or if you tried the drugs, the the drug just once, then at least you would know. And, uh, but then the challenge would be to not become addicted. I wonder if that, that translates it all to art, where perhaps the, the challenge is to do no art, uh, except for one final performance.
0: That's, yeah. And, and you know, the, the real meaning behind the quote that I gave you was that we all need addictions to cope with life. You know, like, my way of saying, don't even try it, is almost saying, like, don't even live. Um, we all need addictions because they're coping mechanisms. Um, we run basically the sun circles around us. We have this cycling life. We wake, we sleep, we wake, we sleep. Addictions are a cycling process. You use it, you need it, you use it, you need it. It's, it, it is basically a coping mechanism of life. So it is, that's why, you know, pick your poisons because we all have addictions. Are we workaholics? Are we this? Are we that? We all have it there. Find me one person who doesn't have an addiction. I'll point at a cadaver. If that's the only thing that doesn't have addictions, even babies, you know, they, they need, they want, they constantly are yearning for something. So it's, and that's the, that's the real truth behind it is we're all going to have to have them. But in response to your thing about only producing one form of art, yes, totally. Most people don't even produce, like, you know, I'm a filmmaker. Most people don't produce one great film. Like, who produces one great film? Very few people even do that. Or in a music, who creates one great song? Who does that? Very few people do that. If you could just do the one, I think you'd be satisfied. Now, I would love to do more than one, but one would be a great place to start. Just fast forward to this.
1: Don't worry. I'll I'll paint you in the best light, my friend. And uh, (laughs) so... I guess uh, we'll end at that. I uh, There's so much more to cover, and I'm sure we'll reflect on it just as we end. Uh, but let's promise to do it again. And as always, not keep it as, as uh, we'll, we'll try to shorten the intervals between our meetings. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Thank
0: you, man. Been nice talking to you.